Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, welcome everyone. So excited that you're here. We are kicking off this week our whole new concept of church at home. And uh, if you're watching in a living room with a group of people and you're doing a church at home site, thank you so much. I hope you're having a blast already. Enjoy whatever food you eat. If you're watching by yourself at home on your computer, you are participating in what we call church online. And church online is different than church at home. You actually get a different video feed. You'll be watching the same message, so this will be the same. But the church at home feed is designed to help facilitate your group. And uh, there's extra music there, all kinds of good things. And uh, I really encourage you, if you're doing church online, you're watching alone, don't do church alone, do church at home. And you can make that switch this week. If you go to vineyardwheeling.com and fill out, uh, you just right on the front page, say, I want to host a church at home group, click on that. We'll get a hold of you. Within a week, we'll have you ready to go and you can gather a friend or a family member or you know, a couple friends or family members or neighbors or, or coworkers, whatever works for you, and get together and do life together. Jesus, his word that he used for church was ecclesia, which literally means a gathering. So gather with other people. It is what church is, is all about. So hope that you'll do that. Hope that you're enjoying um, the transition back inside, that maybe you have gotten the fire lit and we're watching the leaves fall soon, it'll be snow. Are you excited about that? I just crashed this entire service. Uh, nobody wants snow. Well, you know, our world is kind of crazy right now. And we've been talking about this for a while, but it's, it's what everybody's talking about. You, you, you find yourself in conversations with people you haven't seen in a while, and that's, what they're, that's where it goes. That's what the conversation is. Can you believe what's going on with you know, the, the politics or the COVID or whatever else it is? Our world is kind of crazy. And uh, we're watching the, the moral decline of our culture. You know, what, what used to be not okay, what used to be immoral is now being called moral. Uh, we're watching uh, integrity go downhill, all of these things. And we watch as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're watching that and you're going, what is going on in our world? And we kind of wring our hands and then we might be tempted to say, those people are jack wagons, right? Um, we're watching a drug epidemic take out huge sections of the population and debilitate so many people. We're watching anxiety just skyrocket off the charts. And it's not anxiety about this or that thing. It's just a generalized anxiousness that we're seeing in our culture. And it's like, where is that coming from? Lots and lots of people with no other symptoms show up at the hospital thinking they're having a heart attack and they're having a panic attack. And, we're, and, and that's like super common, like that's not, a, that's not an outlier experience. And then we have COVID. What's, what's the deal with COVID? It's a one in 100 year event. Uh, you know, every 100 years we'll get a, a pandemic like this. And, 
and, uh, and, and were divided about it and people were at each other's throats about whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask. And last week I talked about the fact that we are very divided as a nation and that two-thirds of the nation believes we're on the verge of civil war. And in an environment like that, when you have a, an opinion or a feeling and you think this and somebody else thinks that, it's very easy to write the other person off. And we'll do that by, in our heads, not usually to their face, although if you're brave on Facebook behind the screen, maybe there, but, you know, we'll basically say you're a jack wagon. We got a jack wagon problem. And uh, in case you don't know what jack wagon means, I covered this last week, but just in brief, it means idiot, undesirable person, um, jackass, basically, is what jack wagon is. It's a Christian way to say jackass. That's what it is. So... And that is a huge problem, as you are about to find out in this message today. Because when we harden our hearts towards other people, when we pass judgment in our hearts, other things cascade down from that. I was praying about, uh, I've been praying for months, Lord, how do you lead a church through what our country's going through right now? And of course we were looking uh, at the election coming months, months, a year, a year in advance. So how do we lead our church through this? Well, we need to do a series, how not to be a jack wagon, because we need to not be jack wagons. But more importantly, we need to not look at the world around us as jack wagons. And, and, and as I prayed about it, what I felt like God was telling me was three things. I, I could do three things, Lord. Three things is, is a do, like any more than that's too complicated for me, but three, I can do three. And the first thing, that I felt like God was saying, almost like a stool has three legs. The first leg was prayer. Guys, this is why we did the 714 project when we did the 714 project. Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do. It's why I invited you last week to join me in reading back through Draw the Circle for 40 days and pray every day for 40 days because prayer is the most powerful thing we can do. It's the difference between what we can do and what God can do. And we need God to move in our world today. Pray, pray, pray. I plead with you if you're watching in church online or if you're watching at church on home, pray, pray together. We need to pray. It's, it is the way, it's, God will show us moment to moment, day to day, what we're supposed to do. But there are two other legs to that stool. The second leg, I believe very clearly, is that we are supposed to be the blessing. We are supposed to be the blessing. It is the way forward. And I'm gonna talk about that in today's message. And the third thing I'm gonna talk about next week, and that's this, we're supposed to stand. We are supposed to stand for what is right, we're, we're supposed to do it in a way that is loving and kind, but in an era where evil is being called good and good is being called evil, guys, the church has to stand for what is right, but we need to do it in a way that we're not jack wagons, <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about next week. But this week, this week, what I want to talk about is being the blessing, and I'm not talking about what we're going to do in November, what we do every November, which is a generosity and kindness campaign where we serve our community. We'll do that. That's coming in the middle of November, okay? That's a corporate thing. What I want to talk about is you. I want to talk about you and how you respond and where that comes from. Um, 
You know, being the blessing is a complicated thing. Actually, let me, let me back up from that. Being a human being is a complicated thing, right? Uh, and so being the blessing, it starts in that complicated place in our lives. Being the blessing starts in your heart and in your mind. That's where it starts. And this is a biblical concept that goes all the way back to the Old Testament and comes all the way through to Jesus and then into the early church and the writings of Paul. We see this as a consistent theme. What happens inside ultimately comes out, right? Proverbs 4.23, King Solomon wrote this, above all else, guard your what? Your heart, right, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In Solomon's day, your heart was your inner world. It was the center of who you were. It was your heart and mind. Now, when we get into the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about heart and mind because it was a Greek uh, concept of separating the heart and mind. But when Solomon was around, it was just heart, right? Guard your inner world because everything you do will flow from what is going on in here and up here. It, It just does. And so your inner world dictates... Your outer world, your inner world will dictate your outer world. It will eventually come out. You can fake it for a while, but you can't fake it forever. In the book of Philippians, last week I talked about um, how prayer was so important and prayer was the pathway to peace. And in Philippians 4 and verse 6, Paul says, look, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be fearful. Pray. And if you pray... Then there's a promise in verse 7. Does anybody remember what the promise is? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, supernatural peace, will guard your what? Your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Yeah, why is that important? Guard your heart and minds. Tend to your heart and your mind. Tend to your inner world because being the blessing, just toughing it out and making it happen, if it's not right in here, eventually it's not going to be right out here. It starts in our hearts and our minds. My question for you is how's your heart? Do you find yourself getting angry easily? Do you find yourself wrestling with fear? Because fear will eventually lead to anger. It always does. How's your heart? How's your inner world? Guard your heart. Have Je- pray a lot. Have Jesus guard your heart and your mind because that's where the ability to respond with blessing for hurt comes from. It comes from him and it comes from him in here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So don't, don't, how we behave out here, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be immoral. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't, you know, all that stuff. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Yeah, it's about what's in here and in here. It comes out here. And he says, then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We can know what God's will is. We can live God's will out when we get things right in here. You know what we try to do so often? We try to to go from the outside in. It's an inside out proposition. And we we can't make this right on our own. It's a supernatural proposition as well. We need God. But what Paul's saying here in Romans 12 is change the way you think 
and it will change the way you behave. Jesus touches on this and takes it even deeper because he was Jesus and he could do that. He, um, in, in Matthew 5, it's the Sermon on the Mount, and we touched on this this summer during the Ten Commandments series because the sixth commandment, thou shall not murder, ties right into what Jesus taught here in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you have heard it said to the people long ago that you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That's pretty much what we believe today. You know, you do the crime, you do the time. It's a, if, you know, thinking about murder is not a, something that you're going to spend time in jail for, right? But Jesus takes this to the root of the problem. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Ooh, that's a high standard. And again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, raka just means empty-headed. It was kind of like you're an idiot or a ditz or something like that. Anybody who says raka is answerable to the court and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fires of hell. I remember as a kid, I heard a sermon on this and I thought, well, full is a four-letter word for sure. You know, like you can't say full, never say full. But that wasn't really the point that Jesus was making, was it? What Jesus is saying is the moment we begin to write people off, you're an idiot, you're a fool, you're a jack wagon. We're treating them in our hearts and our minds as less than human. We're dehumanizing them. And, 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 and that is a slippery, slippery slope. Jesus understood murder starts with anger. Well, duh. I mean, murder starts with anger. But there's a step in between. And that step in between is calling him a jack wagon. Is even if it's just in the silence of our own head. They don't count. We don't have to consider them. You know, Keep in mind that this is another human being who is made in the image of God, another human being who Jesus hung on the cross for, that God loves and wants to be in a relationship with. And he doesn't, I mean, for obvious reasons, doesn't want us going, well, they're just a jack wagon, I'm going to write them off. But for less than obvious reasons, and Jesus ties into it here, because when we look at someone as less than human, we're one step away from treating them as less than human. This is what happened in Nazi Germany, guys. They started talking about the Jews as subhuman people, and they convinced an entire culture that they were subhuman, and then they turned that culture against that country, against the Jews, and exterminated six million of them. It's dangerous territory. Jesus actually knows what he's talking about here. Guys, not being a jack wagon is so much more than you just being nice. And I hope that you are nice. I hope that you're kind. I hope you're polite. I hope you want to make a difference more than you want to make a point. All of those things. But it really comes back to how we look at the people around us. And this is so very important. So my question again, how's your heart? And if there's a little bit of anger in there, there's a little bit of fear in there, Get on your knees and ask God to heal what's going on inside of you. 
tend your heart, guard your heart and your mind because everything you do flows from it. Read his word regularly. That's how we transform our minds is reading his word on a regular basis and we transform our hearts by praying regularly. You know, prayer is a whole lot more about God doing in us the internal work that needs to be done than it is about us getting what we want. Pray, read, spend time with God and monitor the condition of your heart and your mind because if you find that you're angry at the other side, whatever the other side is, and you're just seething, you got a problem. We can't, we can't be the solution from that place. Second thing about being the blessing. Being the blessing is a premeditated choice. You know, when somebody punches you in the mouth, your instinct is to punch them back harder, right? I mean, that's just human instinct. Somebody calls you a name on social media, your instinct is to get on social media and, you know, start tearing down their mother. Mother, you know, and that turns into nothing good, right? But we, we go back and forth because that is the instinct of a human being. We hit back harder. We give it back more. But if you're going to be the blessing when things get hot, when, when, when you are being slandered, when, when somebody is, <clears throat> is taking you on in the heat of the moment, you got you to make that decision ahead of time or you probably will not respond that way. You will probably respond from instinct. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32. He says this, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. All right, so get rid of. This is something you can choose to do. This is something that you can choose to engage. And we're going to get rid of bitterness and rage and anger. We're going to deal with the internal stuff. And then he goes on. He says, he says, also get rid of brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. That's the external stuff. We can pre-choose to do that. We need to do it. And then he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Be the blessing. This is how we are to respond. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Guys, being the blessing is a premeditated choice because it won't always be easy. It's a premeditated choice to not hit back. I'm not going to hit back. Not going to do it. Somebody says something about me, I'm not going to hit back. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Is this easy? No. Following Jesus is not easy. Newsflash. But it's good and it's right. And I will tell you this. This may be the most strategic thing you can do for your life, for your family, for the cause of Christ. Because we'll be tempted to respond with anger. We'll be tempted to respond with violence. But if we don't, people notice and it changes things. And and, and newsflash, guys. Newsflash. Christianity is often choosing not to respond instinctively. But doing what we know is right. That's, I mean, that's following Jesus. There are so, I mean, we don't follow our, we don't follow our, 
all of our instinctive impulses sexually or uh, with, uh, you know, our, our temptations to, to cheat a little or steal or claim credit or whatever. We don't do that. We d- discipline ourselves. You know, we're the people who take the extra money we got at the checkout back in and go, we paid too much. You know, who does that? Well, the Christians do because we decided ahead of time we would. We choose ahead of time that we're not going to hit back. Now, you need to understand something about me. I am not a pacifist, and I'm not telling you to be a pacifist. If you showed up at my house to harm my kids or my wife, you would leave in a pine box full of lead. You would. I'd kill you. Um, I just, uh, thankfully, none of you uh, would do that. But if you're going to come after my family, we're going we're gonna to have a little tussle, let's say. I believe that, that it's okay to defend yourself and your family. I really do. Um, in Luke chapter 22, and 35, verses 35 through 36, Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's right before He's about to be arrested. And uh, it says, then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? So Jesus had sent his disciples out two by two earlier and said, don't take anything with you. This is a God adventure. And you're, we're just going to see what God does, and he's going to provide for you, and it's going to be amazing. And so, so they go out, and they don't take anything, and God provides everything all along the way, and it's been a, it was a really neat adventure. They had everything they needed. But Jesus is now saying, this is a different time. He said, he said to them, but now, he's about to leave, but now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy a sword. Jesus just told his disciples to buy a weapon. That's crazy. He told them to prepare. There's nothing wrong with preparing. In fact, I would say to you at this point, if you don't have a, after what we've been through with COVID, if you don't have a couple weeks of food and at least a hundred rolls of toilet paper in your house, you got a problem. Like wake up, you know, there's nothing wrong with being prepared. Jesus isn't anti that and he's not anti self-defense either. But, but this is the same Jesus who just a couple hours later, just a couple verses down, stops Peter from after he cuts off the ear of the servant of the chief priest and says, look, no, we're not doing this. We are, we are not going that route. If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. We're not doing the sword. And he heals the guy's ear, puts it back on, reattaches it. I always wondered if he got it straight or not, but that's just my mind. And, 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 and Jesus is arrested and very passively goes through what he knows he has to go through. If ever Jesus had a right to defend himself, it would have been there, but it was strategic for him not to. It's not always the best move. And if we look back through history, we can see the power of nonviolent resistance, nonviolent response. The early church, they burned Christians as torches in Emperor Nero's garden. Like they just lit them on fire and let them burn all night. Uh, they fed them to lions and the, threw them into the arena and, and uh, persecuted and, and killed Christians. But you know what? 
the Christians, because of the way they responded, not with violence, not with hitting back, won the hearts of the Roman Empire and, and changed what seemed like an unchangeable fixture on the landscape and within a couple hundred years became a Christian empire and Christianity spread and has, has, has outlasted the Roman Empire by a thousand plus years and continues to go and grow and it is in large part because we chose not to be a violent movement. You look at Dr. Martin Luther King in the 60s. You know, he, if you would march with Dr. King, he made you sign a piece of paper that said, I will not retaliate. I will take the punch in the face. I'll take the hit with the billy club. I will take the water coming out of the fire hose. I will take the attack from the dog. I'm not retaliating. And there were pictures all over the, sent all over the country of innocent people protesting and being attacked and beaten. And it changed the heart of America about the civil, civil rights movement in a way that violence never would have. Gandhi did the same thing in India. And we can point to many examples of that. Hitting back is not the most strategic thing. It might feel good in the moment, but it does not get you to where you want to go. Modern application of this in 2020, I think it's fine to defend your, your family. Uh, if you're from West Virginia, you understand that gun control is hitting what you aim for, and we're, we're all about that. But it's not fine to live by the sword. It's not fine to live by the sword. You know, there are people who like to fight. You ever met somebody who likes to fight? You know, I was, when I was uh, doing college ministry here at the church, they had this traveling hippie festival. I don't know if you ever heard of Bonnaroo down in Tennessee, but they're, they're like the hippies, the old Grateful Dead deadheads traveling around. They did, a, they did a thing out on Big Wheeling Creek at the Electric Flag or Wilson Valley Ranch, if you're that old. Um, and... Uh, I thought, what a great opportunity to take some college students out. I'm surprised I still have a job here. To take some college students out, and uh, we're going to camp out. We're going to set up a medical tent and a hydration station. We're going to pray for people. It's going to be awesome. And it actually was kind of cool and some very groovy music as well. <laughs> so what happened, though, is one of the good old boys who lived out on the creek showed up because there was something going on on the creek. And he was walking through, and somebody accidentally bumped into him, and he cold-cocked the guy, knocked him to the ground, and then was like, who else wants a piece of this? And he's screaming and just like ready to fight. And I'm like, holy cow, where'd that come from? There are people who like to fight. Malcolm Gladwell is an author, uh, and he wrote a book a couple years back. Um, what was the name of that book? Uh, Outliers. Outliers. And in it, he talks about this a little bit. They, uh, at the University of Michigan, they did a study. They were noticing, they had a lot of people from Kentucky that came up to the University of Michigan, and they were noticing um, that people from Kentucky were more apt to fight. And so they did a study, and they, they had this thin, narrow hallway, and they put a filing cabinet in the hallway so that if you were to walk by, you were going to bump into whoever was at that filing cabinet. So they set it up, and they had people come by. And the people from Michigan were like, they bump into them, oh, I'm sorry, you know, my fault, and they'd keep walking. 
But, so, but a lot of the people from Kentucky, would, especially eastern Kentucky, would bump into the person at the filing cabinet, and they were ready to go. I mean, they're ready to defend their mother's honor because you bumped into them. You, come on, let's go. And they, they you know, they, as, uh, as social scientists often do, they try and figure out why that is. And the reason they believe that is is because Eastern Kentucky was settled by the Scotch. The Scotch culture is an honor culture. It was a warrior culture. You have, you have clans and you defend your clan's honor against this clan. And so, you know, a bump in the hallway and we are ready to fight. And that is what they found. Anybody familiar with the, the story of the Hatfields and the McCoys? Yeah. All right. It's the same area, eastern, eastern Kentucky, southern West Virginia, right where they come together. The Hatfields were in West Virginia. The McCoys were in, in Kentucky. So one of the family members, nobody really remembers all the details of it, but somebody accused somebody else of stealing somebody else's pig. And it turned into a bloody war between two families in the hills of West Virginia and Kentucky, and lots of people died. It was written about in national newspapers. It went on for years, and it was exactly that. There are people who love to fight, who have that, you know, just one little thing. It might not even have been met, and boom, we're ready to go. And that rage led to death and death and death and believing the worst about each other and all of that. And it led to a lot of heartache. It's not a good way to go. We know that. We know that. Nonviolence is always our first response if that is at all possible. Always. It has to be. Nonviolence is often our most strategic response. Again, Jesus. I point to Jesus. All else fails, just say Jesus. Jesus. the early church, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, on and on and on and on. And violence is always the option of last resort. You know, the American Revolution, everybody's, you know, 1776, and the stories of the war and all that. Our founding fathers tried for 10 to 20 years to try and pursue a peaceful resolution to the differences with the English government. They didn't want a war. It's the last option. The last option. We choose not to hit back, but we have to pre-choose to not hit back. We choose kindness. He says in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. We choose ahead of time. We're going to be kind and compassionate. We're going to be kind. We're not always going to want to respond that way, are we? Mm -mm. We choose to believe the best about others. I think that's what being compassionate is. We, we, we put ourselves in their shoes. We hear their story. We understand what they've been through, and, and, and we are better able to respond with, with compassion. But you have to pre-choose to do that. I was talking to my friend Sue the other day who works with the homeless population, and, and, uh, and I was kind of posing questions that a lot of people ask about the homeless. And I, and I said, you know, a lot of people ask, why don't these people work? And she looked at me and, and got real serious for a second, and she said, Chris, 
People who ask that question don't know what these people have been through. They don't know their stories. The, I mean, a, a third of them are, 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 are mentally uh, injured or, or, or ill or just not functioning uh, correctly. A, 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 third, a lot of them have been through such abuse, such trauma as even little children that they're not functioning. And, and like... Some of them can and do, but a lot of them can't. But you, you know, I wish you could have been there and, and looked into her eyes as I was because she chose to believe and chooses to believe the best about people and to listen to their stories. We've got to choose to believe the best. We've got to choose to forgive. He wraps up verse 32, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. God's forgiven us so much. We need to forgive each other. We need to not return evil for evil, but good for evil. Third thing is basically this. Being the blessing is an action. I mean, we can be the blessing in our head all we want, but if we're not living it out, it doesn't matter. James, Jesus' brother, said this in James chapter 2, verse 18. He said, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You can't demonstrate faith without actions. You can't be the blessing without actually being the blessing. We all know the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So are you actually doing that? Are you intentionally serving other people? You know, we have Operation Christmas Child going on right now, and lots of people in our church pack boxes. I hope you will. It's a very intentional and practical way to be the blessing to people in the, all around the world who are way less fortunate than we are. We're going to have Be the Blessing coming up here in the middle of November. I hope you'll participate, in, or I hope you will participate. Are, are you living open-handed? Are you living generous? Are you helping people overcome? Are your eyes open for opportunities around you to show the love of God, to shine the light of Christ, to be kind? Guys, I believe this is one of the most strategic things we can do to navigate the days that we're in. I, sh- I said last week, I believe the church, this is gonna be the church's finest moment. We're gonna lead our world through what we're going through right now. But it's gonna start with prayer and it's going to start with being the blessing. So let me ask you this, how's your heart and mind? Are you quick to anger? Are you dealing with fear? Do you call other people jack wagons in your mind, especially while you're driving? (laughs) You need to pray through that. You need to pray through that. Ask, get down on your knees and ask God, God, change my inner world, tend to my heart. If something's not right, don't be content with something not being right with your heart because it will come out. Pray regularly, read your Bible, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have you made the choice ahead of time to be the blessing? Have you? You need to. We all need to because it's hard to do in the moment. And are you living out that choice? Intentionally returning good for evil. Intentionally showing compassion. Intentionally being generous. Intentionally speaking words of encouragement in life. 
Guys, this shines like brightness. It's so bright in the darkness. I love what Paul wrote in Romans 12, towards down a little further seven, in verse 17. I think this, is, this is really sums it all up. He says, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's our memory verse this week. Every once in a while, I'll throw out a verse for us to me memorize. Not that whole passage, just verse 21 there at the end. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be the blessing. Be the blessing. This is the second part of, of, of the plan that I believe God is giving us to navigate the days that we live in. You know, I talked about the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? Um, the patriarch of the, McCoy, or of the Hatfield family was Devil Ants Hatfield. Crazy name, I know, right? Um, Devil Ants was an angry, bitter, vengeful man. He led the, his family in that direction, and he lost a lot of his family along the way. But Devil Ants came to Jesus later in life. He was baptized, and he was transformed. They say of Devil Ants, that uh, he lived the last 10 years of his life with a peace that they had never seen before in him. The peace that comes from a man who knows he is forgiven. You know, to this day, the Hatfields and the McCoys get together for a joint family reunion on a regular basis. Do you know why? Because Devil Ants knew he was forgiven and he knew that responding with all that hate and all that anger and hitting back did not lead to good things. And he changed the trajectory of his family. And you can too. And I can too. But we have to choose to be the blessing. Next week, we're going to talk about stand. You need to be here. So be here. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much that you have a plan and a hope for your church, God, that this truly can be, I believe will be, the finest hour of the church. God, help us to live like Christians. Help us to live like we believe. Uh, Lord, help us to be the blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.